we do thank you, Father God, for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you that when we believed on Christ, the chains of sin, the chains of bondage to that sin, the chains of being under the the control of our flesh and the enemy, they, they fell to the ground. And Father, it is by the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we heard it, that we believed it and were saved. We're thankful for the cross of Christ. We're thankful for the word that you've given us. I pray now, as we open it, that your spirit would move among us. That your people would hear and be equipped for the work of ministry and for your people who have yet to confess Christ, today would be the day of salvation. Pray these things for Christ's sake and in His name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. It is good to be home. Most of us home. We left one son in Arizona. Uh, long story, but didn't have a hard copy of his driver's license, which made him miss the flight home. So he is staying. Well, he, not yet, but he'll be at church with the Cosby and Carla Cunningham this morning. And he stayed with them and will fly home tonight to Cedar Rapids. And his father will joyfully go to pick him up in Cedar Rapids late this evening. It is very good to be amongst you all. As I greeted you all coming in and talked to some of you this week and just see you all, it's, I, I know I say this every time I'm gone, but it's, it's such a great blessing in my life to be pastoring this church, to be around this group of saints and their families. We, we visited Apologia Church when we were out there. That's the church that Jeff Durvin pastors and it was, it's, it's a very like-minded church in many ways and, um, a lot of the same elements of the Lord's Day worship happened when we were there, but it certainly wasn't home. It certainly wasn't you all, and it it certainly is different to be away from you all, and I'm thankful to be back. As usual, when I go away like that, um, for a vacation particularly, I spend a lot of time meditating on things concerning my own life mainly, uh, my own life, my own practices, the life of my family, um, and and how that's how that's going, and um, our day to day life, and how that might be different. I contemplate a lot of those. I also spend a great deal of time just contemplating, meditating, praying about, thinking about our church, you all, and then us all together, and many of you individually. Uh, the, the deep and abiding love that, that Christ has given me for this people. I'm, I'm always reminded of how thankful I am, how much I really love you and, and, and am thankful to God to be a pastor of yours and to be amongst you. Um, something that I thought about that I, I, I want us to consider, again, as I was away and thinking about us, is there, there's lots of issues, um, I, I don't know about more, but there's issues that are currently on the table uh, in this local assembly. Things that some of you aren't really even involved in and some of you are more involved in. The, the, the doctrines of the Lord's Day. 
is something that's being discussed around here uh, and as it, as it pertains to our confession of faith and there's conversations going on about head coverings in corporate worship and and there's there's conversations about eschatological issues that uh, were brought to the fore more last week in uh, in in our absence but these things are all out there and um, all of these things in the past and now and in the future, I'm sure, are things the elders talk about, uh, deal with. Um, some some we've thought about lots and talked about lots and others we haven't. And like I said, some of you are involved very directly in these conversations. Some of you are kind of involved and maybe some of you aren't really involved at all and don't have much concern about that. I really, I really kind of have an exhortation or a warning, I think is what I want to call it, for those of us who are involved in these discussions, that are really involved in them, and even those that maybe aren't and are frustrated at those or by those who are. In 1 Corinthians 8, we know that there was a, that an issue with eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And almost all meat in some form had been sacrificed to idols and and it was hard to find pure meat. And so in the early church, uh, while it, as Paul will talk about, you know, meat is meat. It all comes from God. Perfectly fine to eat it. And the more mature Christians understood that. uh, And the less mature Christians didn't understand that. But he says this in in chapter 8, verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, and, and by the way, these topics aren't necessarily apples to apples to this topic but I think maybe similar and and ought be thought of through this through this lens concerning food offered to idols we know that all of us possess knowledge this knowledge puffs up but love builds up if anyone imagines that he knows something he does not yet know as he ought to know But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Knowledge puffs up. When we think we know it all or know a lot about something or think we have it all figured out, we can oftentimes become puffed up. And Paul says, look, even if you think you know something, you don't know it. You don't know it the way God knows it. You don't know it perfectly. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. So there's a there's this there's this there's this tendency to get knowledge and then think that we've acquired all this knowledge and now we've got it figured out. And if somebody else doesn't think like us, we'll quickly go. Well, we're the more mature Christians. We have it figured out. We hope our pastors and everybody else catch up to us, or whoever is on our other side. Be careful. Be careful about being puffed up by knowledge. There is nothing wrong with studying doctrine. Reading the Word of God, studying church history, there's nothing wrong with that. Be careful that that knowledge does not puff you up. And that and that you're forgetting that love builds up. This is again, this is this is a thing. And when I was away, there's really, there's really no, there's really no upset in me about this. Like I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. But I do want to warn us. 
those that are, especially those who are really engaged in these discussions right now. And, and, again, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, some of you who don't, couldn't care two seconds about any of it, I would encourage you to maybe think about these things. But don't go gain knowledge that puffs you up. And if you think you know everything, you don't. In Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul, telling Timothy, the pastor at Ephesus, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Arminius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Listen, depart from iniquity. That's, that's something that we must be doing more than we ought to be arguing over doctrine. Because oftentimes I watch myself and others get into these discussions about doctrine that end up into arguments that are not filled with love and they're not building up. Departing from iniquity is something that we are all to be doing. And Paul is saying to Timothy, look, that's more important than quarreling over words. There's most things we are in agreement on around here. Most things we are, even when we're not in agreement, it doesn't really, it hasn't yet, for the group that's here, caused any division. But it can. And it does. And in church history, it has. And by the grace of God, that won't be us because we won't be puffed up by knowledge. We'll build up with love. And we will trust that our elders will deal with these things with the input of the congregation and then make decisions on what we do and don't do. And unless heresy is being taught, I would argue that a good churchman or a good churchwoman is going to be content inside of that. Look, there is no perfection in the elders of Grace Fellowship Church or any other church. There is no church without error. If we knew what they were, we'd change them and we do reform. But be careful because some of you engage in these discussions, even as I think about you together, there's division that's being created amongst you. And there's a lot of puffed upness that can happen. So be warned. We can continue to have these discussions and will, I'm confident, until we go to glory. Knowledge 
puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Okay. Turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Uh, the sermon today is titled, Woe to the Unrepentant. And as we enter into today's passage, today's sermon, uh, it will pertain to many of you in here today in a very real way. It will pertain to many of you in here today. It will pertain to some listening today in a very real way. And I encourage you and I implore you and I beseech you and I beg you to believe what you're being told today. It pertains to all of us, this passage, but it pertains to the unbeliever and the believer in a different way. So let's stand and I'll read verses 10 through 16. Luke chapter 10, verse 10. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. You may be seated. There is a very simple reality of today's passage. And when the day of judgment comes, it will be far more terrible for those who have heard the gospel and rejected it for those that never heard the gospel. Hear me. We're going to look at this throughout the day, but just know this. It is an obvious plain truth that for, for, for those who reject the gospel and have heard it, judgment, the wrath of God on the day of judgment is going to be far more severe than for those who never heard it. You know, it's almost like we think we should lighten this because we don't want to put our kids, for instance, under that higher degree of wrath. But Romans 1.16 tells us the gospel is the way to salvation. What else can we do if we love those around us? I want you all to understand something. It is a great blessing for every one of you in here that is yet to know the Lord that you are in this place in these families. That you get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that can deliver you from the power, the, 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 the penalty of sin into the kingdom of God. You're very blessed to hear these things. It also ought to instill a great degree of fear in you to understand you are hearing the gospel. You hear it plainly. And if you reject it, your judgment will be worse. You see, 
the, the, the God's, God's judgment, God's wrath is not based on how bad of a sinner you are. The levels that the Bible speaks of is those that reject the gospel compared to those who don't hear the gospel. Both will have the judgment of God. One will be worse. And it's not because your sin was worse. Because, because our sins separate us from God, whether it's simply disobedience to parents or mass murder. And while those things have different consequences, separation from God for the mass murderer, for the mass murderer it's going to be not as the, 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 the Muslim who flies a plane into a building killing 3,000 people that never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ will have less judgment than will you all who have heard the gospel and reject it. This is a sobering reality. (laughs) It brings me to tears. (laughs) But it's true. In, in chapter 10, um, after Jesus kind of dispels easy, easy believism, after the Lord, after this, the Lord appeared to 70 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Listen, judgment's coming. And when the harvest comes, there's going to be this, this mass destruction of those who don't know Christ. And, and I want you to go out, and I want you to understand that. And I want you to pray for laborers, and then be those laborers. And then, then go out and don't, don't care about the things of the world. God will provide. And you're, it's so urgent, you're not going to have a lot of pleasantries along the way. You're going to go, and you're going to give people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prepare the way for the Lord. That's what you're to go do. Whenever you enter a house, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace is there, your peace will rest upon Him. But if not, it will return to you. As Pastor Tyler talked about, this peace, this peace between God and man, this is the peace that you bring. And you bring this peace with you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if someone is a son of peace, they'll receive your message. And they will have peace with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the person of Jesus Christ. This is what you go to tell them. This is the peace that you bring. Because it's not going to be peace between you and them, is it? If they reject it, as we saw, that's not going to be peace between you and them. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Pastor Tyler talked about, as, as we go, be proclaimers of the gospel. Those of us called the gospel ministry, we will be cared for. And we need not worry about those things. Our job is to take the gospel forward. To bring this peace with us wherever we go. Whenever you enter a town, they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Again, Pastor Tyler did a fine job of telling us again the kingdom of God. Salvation of souls, one person at a time, the kingdom of God being inside us 
heaven and here inside of each believer and how we bring the kingdom of God about is through the proclamation of the gospel and a soul at a time being saved. And then that brings us to today's passage. You've got those who receive you. And then he says, but whenever you enter town and they do not receive you. Now he's talking about those who will not receive you. A town where they will not receive you. The first thing we see in his instruction to the 70, as they're going to go out into the Perean and Judean ministry, we see that Jesus calls for community condemnation. Community condemnation. He says, but wherever you enter a town, and they do not receive, decomai, do not welcome you, receive you as a guest, believe you, accept you as telling the truth. If they don't receive you, by they'll reject you because of your message. They won't believe you, and so they won't receive you. They won't provide for you. If they don't, when you go out and you tell people of the coming Messiah, the King of the Kingdom of God, and they will not receive you and your message, this message of sin and repentance and faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins and being reconciled to the Father, this this. Peace, this message, the message of the coming King, Jesus coming right behind us into this town. You need to receive Him. He is the kingdom of God. If they will not receive you, here's what you are to say to the whole city. But whenever you're in a town, they don't receive you. Go into its streets, platea, wide street, a main street. You are to go into the center of town and let them all know publicly proclaiming something to them. You're to go, once that town, that place won't receive you, you are to go and tell them all corporately something. And here's what you're to tell them. Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we will wipe off against you. You are to go and publicly condemn them all. Remember, we've talked about the wiping off when Jesus sent the the twelve of the apostles out earlier in Luke 9. We saw it there too. He said, if they don't receive you, wash the dust off. That was, again, that was a sign of judgment in Judaism. It was a sign of judgment to say, even this dirt of your dirty, vile town... We're not going to take with us. We're going to get that dust off our feet to take nothing with you, nothing of you with us. It was condemnation and judgment. You're to go out. If they won't receive you, they won't receive the message. They won't receive you. You go out in the middle of the town and you let them know that you're leaving and you're washing the dust off. They are all condemned. Even the dust of your own, your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, hey, but don't be confused. We're fitting to leave. You are under judgment. You are condemned, all of you. But just know this. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Remember, you've been told the truth. And you've rejected it. You've been told the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've rejected it. We're moving on. 
You're under condemnation. But don't, don't forget, you've been told the truth. As you're leaving, Jesus says, you tell them, you messengers, you 70, you go out two by two, you go to a village, a city, if they won't receive you, you go out and you tell them, you're washing the dust off of your feet, and let them know again that they have rejected Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of sinners. The way to heaven was so close, He's coming right behind, and you wanted no part of Him. Know that. Know that you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, Salvation, entry into the kingdom of God, and you have rejected it. You need to know that. They need to know that before you all leave and go to the next town, Jesus tells his messengers. Your rejection, with your rejection, you just missed out on the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth was coming behind us. But you don't want any part. You've rejected salvation. The kingdom of God. They were preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The message you've rejected, the message you reject, if you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, is because because these people, they, they didn't believe repentance was necessary. Apparently, those of you who haven't believed on Christ yet, you don't believe repentance is necessary. You don't believe that you're a sinner that needs a Savior. And that you must repent and believe on Christ. For these folks that he was talking to, they were talking to, in Perea and Judea especially, you think your own religion, your own works, they're going to get you to heaven. That's, that's the wrong gospel. Jesus says, be, be my messengers. Give them the gospel of, of, of me, Jesus says. And if they won't believe you, If they won't receive you, you publicly condemn them all. Whenever you're in a town, they do not receive you, go into the streets. And then there's a quotation. There's a quote. Here's what you're to tell them. So Jesus says, he's talking to the 70, and he says, Whenever you're in a town, they do not receive you, go into the streets and say this. Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wrap off against you. Nevertheless, this know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Go in the streets, explain the condemnation they are under, and what it is they have rejected. It doesn't say, when you're leaving, okay, I'll pray for you. Okay, thanks for listening. Oh, okay. Please consider this again if you would. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things to say necessarily. But I am saying that's not what Jesus tells them to say. When you leave this evangelistic opportunity and you leave this city, you leave this group of people, you let them have it. You let them know what they've rejected and what it will cost them. You don't leave them feeling good. You leave them Exactly where they are. Under the wrath of God for the rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, and that's not popular, is it? That's not popular. But it is biblical. 
go out into the city streets, the main street, and you tell them you're wiping the dust off against them and that this message is the message of salvation that you're rejecting. The wrath of God is what you remain under. Do that on the city streets. Oftentimes when when I've gone to Iowa City or out to a public event, one of the things that I will do after after you have these these men and women that walk into these murder mills and they, they reject the plea to come here of Jesus. They reject the plea of salvation. They they reject the plea of repenting from their sins and looking to Christ and, and they revile and they mock or they just walk on and they act as if they don't hear you and they reject what you have to say to them. Proverbs 1, 20. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Skill in daily living, right? It, what does wisdom begin with? We know from Proverbs 1. A fear of the Lord. Judgment and, and, and a need for reconciliation should have you a fear, afraid of God. And, and wisdom, this wisdom of salvation, cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. So, we go out, if we go out in the public and we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it be at the farmer's market or it be at the abortuary, and, and, and people are rejecting that message. Tell them, look, wisdom is, is crying out in the, in the streets, in the market, she raises her voices, at the head of noisy streets she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates she speaks, and here's what wisdom says. Here's what we are to preach. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? Foolish, silly, simple, scoffers, scorning, mocking. And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, if you will repent, if you will change directions away from sin and toward God via Jesus Christ, if faith in Jesus, if you'll turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I'll make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen. Have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. <laughs> Have none of my reproof. Wisdom, via the messenger of Jesus, of God, is proclaiming this gospel, this, this reality of sin and a need for a Savior. And it's being rejected. You'll have none of this. You aren't listening. You'll have none of the reproof. So wisdom, I, Jesus Christ, the truth of God Himself, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Anyone who rejects the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ alone will be laughed at by God when they're in distress. And when you're going to be in the most distress is on judgment day. And if you've rejected the message of salvation, God will mock you. He will laugh at you. And this is what we're to tell people when they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Then, then they, those scoffers, those, those simple ones, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. When you're in your moments of distress, unbeliever, if you reach out to God, you aren't going to find Him. If you refuse to repent and put your faith and trust in Christ. Now listen, if you, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, turning from your sin in contrition towards God, then you will find Him in all your distress. But if you won't, you won't find Him. Why? Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. If you don't choose the fear of the Lord... He will not hear you in your terror, in your calamity. Because they hated now, did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. As God's messenger, as a Christ follower... You must fear God. I am telling you as God's messenger, you must fear God. You must repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you don't, He's not going to be there for you when you cry out to Him. I remember when I was a drunk. And when I was a... I was, I was, I would be drunk and I would be on the bathroom floor in front of the toilet and I would tell God, God, if you, if you take this away from me, take this, this, this horrible vomiting away from me, then I'll never drink again. And ten days later I was drunk again. Or one day later. I had no fear of the Lord. He never heard those cries. But, but when I believed on Christ, and then when I'm tempted to sin or do sin, and I'm in a difficult place, He's there for me. But He's not there for you who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't fool yourselves. For the simple are killed by turning, they're turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. The complacency of fools, they think they're okay. They think they have time. They think their sin's not that big of a deal. That's the complacency of a fool. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Whoever listens to wisdom, whoever listens to the call of salvation, whoever believes on Christ will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. See, we don't have to worry about disaster coming, do we, Corey? Do we, Jay? Disaster can come. I'm not wishing it, but whatever comes, I'm at ease. But if you don't know Christ, the thought of disaster or calamity... You, you want no part of it. And you should want no part of it. Because if you don't know Christ, God's not going to be there. As a matter of fact, He's going to laugh at you. This is what we would tell them in the city streets when they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what I'm speaking today. This is the truth. 
right now, in my own biological family, I'm dealing with what is the gospel. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is crying out. Don't be a fool. Don't be a scoffer. Don't be complacent. Turn to Christ and live while you've still got time. Jesus is going to continue to instruct these 70 why they ought to warn these unrepentant people in this manner. So he's told them, Whenever you enter town, they don't receive you. Go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And guess what? They are going to have worse judgment than Sodom. This is what, this is what I want you to tell them, and here's why. Because I tell you it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. You want to have compassion that I have, Jesus says? Know this. It will be better for Sodom than for these people who are rejecting your message right now. That ought to give you some compassion for them and a willingness to go and a willingness to tell them what I'm telling you to tell them. What do the 70 know about Sodom? They know that the Old Testament taught about Sodom. They knew that Sodom was a vile, despicable place that was harshly judged by God. In Genesis chapter 13 is where we first see of Sodom. Abram and Lot needed to part ways because they had too many possessions to live in one plot of land. So they needed to part ways. Genesis 13.10 And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. As we first hear of Sodom, Sodom was, they, the men were, of Sodom were great sinners. They were wicked, wicked men. So Lot went into Sodom and he, he found the people of Sodom to be very wicked. They stole from him, a number of things. They, they were great sinners. This is what Lot saw. Down to Genesis 18. Then the men, now these were the angels of the Lord that had, that had told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child. And after they did that, then we see, then these men, the men, the angels of God, set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Yahweh said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done together 
according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. God says, I'm going to go check it out. There's this horrible report about Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to go check that out. These angels are going to go and check out what's going on in Sodom. And I will go see. And if their, their sin is that great, I'm going to destroy them. And then, then Abraham pleads with God. If there's 50 righteous, would you spare them? Yes. 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Yes. If there's 10 righteous, I won't destroy it. Down to 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth. So Sodom sitting out in the city gates and these travelers come up. And Lot says, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, the two angels that looked like men, they said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. So, no thank you, Lot. Say the angels of the Lord, these men that come to check it out. No, thank you. We'll just spend the night in the city square. But Lot knew how despicable these men were. He had lived amongst them. He knew how dangerous the city was. So, verse 3, but he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. So Lot convinced them, don't, don't stay out here. Please come with me to my home. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So he knew the great evil that would happen to these men. So he invited them into their home, into his home, and he showed them hospitality. Verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house. So these two travelers are now with Lot, these two angels, these men that are sent by God to check it out. Lot convinces them to stay in his house. They do. And before they go to bed, the house is surrounded by every man of Sodom. Not 10, not 20, not 30, not 40, not 45, not 50, not one righteous man. They're all surrounding the house. Verse 5. And they called to Lot. These men that have surrounded the house, these men of Sodom, these evil, wicked, vile men. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Know in the way that Eve knew Adam. Bring them out here so we can sexually violate them. What vile people in Sodom? What evil men. These men of Sodom, they're Sodomites. They want to sodomize these, these visitors. This is the wicked sin that characterized Sodom. Verse 6. Lot went out to the men. So they're surrounding the house. Let them come out here so we can have our way with them. Lot comes out of the house. Shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Lot said, please, don't do this. Don't, don't do this to these men, these visitors. He tried to convince them not to do this heinous thing. Not to violate these men. 
in this disgusting, unnatural way. Verse 8, Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do, do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Now, this is an inadvisable solution. But, but Lot was willing to give him his two virgin daughters to have their way with, to satisfy their lust, as opposed to doing this unnatural act with these men. At least that doesn't go against nature. Again, I'm not, I don't think scripture. Now, these are the two daughters who then eventually would sleep with Lot when he was drunk and be impregnated and bring us these treacherous places. But at this point, he's going to turn his daughters over and all we can surmise is, hey, at least this is natural. Don't, don't violate these men in this unnatural way. That's wicked. That's heinous. <laughs> but they said, All these men of Sodom who surrounded Lot's house and they want to sodomize these guests. And, 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 and Lot comes out and tries to stop them and then he says, hey, I'll even give you my daughters. And they say, stand back. And they said, this fellow, Lot, remember he came there, he came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. These wicked men said Lot had had no right to tell them not to practice their homosexuality. Who are you to tell us? It's how wicked they were. It's how vile they were. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. So undeterred, these wicked sodomites, these, these men that were wanting to sodomize these, these visitors, they press in against Lot, they're pressing towards the door to try to get in. But the men, these are the, the angels of the Lord, the two men that visited, reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. So these angels of God, these men brought Lot in and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house. They struck with blindness all these these sodomites who wanted to sodomize these men. They struck them blind. Both small and great. So they wore themselves out groping for the door. They're so wicked that didn't even stop them. They're blind and they're still trying to find their way in the door to have their way with these men. Vile, wicked people. Great sinners. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Look, the reports were true. Remember, these two men had come to see if it was so bad in Sodom. Well, it's bad. It's really bad. And Sodom is going to be destroyed. The men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before Yahweh and Yahweh has sent us to destroy it. We have found not 50, not 40, not 30, not 20, not 10. This city is completely corrupted and it's about to be destroyed. Get your people out. <clears throat> Genesis nineteen twenty three: The sun had risen on the earth 
When Lot came to Zor, then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. God sent sulfur and fire on Sodom. Mm, poof! Burning it up. Destroying it. This is how much God hated the sin that was happening in Sodom. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities. Everyone in the cities dead. Destroyed. Under the judgment of God because they were a heinous, vile, wicked people. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. All that was left was the smoldering embers of a destroyed city. And all of its inhabitants dead. Because God hated so much what was happening in Sodom. tell you it'll be more bearable for Sodom than for that town what town the town that rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ <laughs> oh oh boy oh boy <laughs> you can't find a more Angry act of God, a righteously angry act of God that He destroys a whole city and all the people in it because of their sick, vile, wicked sin. And it's going to be better for them, for you that don't believe on Christ that have heard the gospel. The 70 knew this. Jesus was sending them out. He wanted them to know that any city that rejected this message and them, any anyone who rejected the ministry of Jesus Christ to save sinners, they would be treated in a worse way on Judgment Day than even Sodom. What a humbling reality. If you don't know Christ today, You've heard the gospel. If you reject the gospel that you're hearing, your judgment will be worse than that of the homosexual city of Sodom. And Jesus goes on to teach you about more of these levels of judgment on the day. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Woe to Chorazin and Bethsaida. Woe away. Disaster, horror, curses. Curses, horror. Disaster to you, Chorazin. Disaster to you, Bethsaida. Who were Chorazin and Bethsaida? Well, remember, they were cities that were less than four miles from Capernaum. Up here when the, where the Jordan flows in the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. They were right there. Chorazin and Bethsaida. Bethsaida were 
Peter, Andrew, and Philip were from. Four miles from Capernaum. They had seen the, the works of Jesus. They had heard the message of Jesus Christ. If the mighty works had been done, the stuff you've seen, Chorazin, the stuff you've seen, Bethsaida, the stuff you've seen, children who have parents who are believers, the stuff you've seen, If that had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Well, who were Tyre and Sidon? Well, they were, they were two pagan cities outside of Israel. There was lots of pagan and false religions in Tyre and Sidon. Other than Judaism, they, they were looked down upon by the Galilean Jews, by the Perean Jews. They were looked down upon by the Jews. They were pagans. We see Tyre or Sidon, actually, first listed in Judges 1. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon. So when, when, they, when they were taking the promised land, Sidon, they did not drive out those inhabitants. Asher did not drive them out. So they were left there with their false gods. Judges chapter 10, the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammonites, the gods of Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. The Israelites, back in the Old Testament, they had served Sidonian gods. That was evil in God's sight. So the the, the Sidonians were pagans and, and these Jews understood they were to be avoided. In Amos 1, we see Tyre mentioned. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because they delivered up a whole people to Edom, and did not remember the covenant of the brotherhood. So I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre, and it shall devour her strongholds. Tyre, Tyre was promised destruction by God because of their, of their help of the Edomites against the Israelites. God pronounced judgment on Tyre and Sidon because they were enemies of God's people. In Zechariah 9, more judgment on Israel enemies. Verse 1, The oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind and all the tribes of Israel, and on Hamath also, which borders on it Tyre and Sidon. Though they are very wise, Tyre has built herself a rampart and headed up silver like dust, and fine gold like the mud of the streets. And behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions and strike down her power on the sea and she shall be devoured by fire. So God had promised judgment on Tyre. Isaiah 23, the oracle concerning Tyre. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is laid waste without house or harbor, destroyed completely. For the land of Cyprus is revealed to them. Be still, O inhabitants of the coast, the merchants of Sidon who cross the sea have filled you. Down to verse 4. And be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea is spoken, the stronghold of the sea, saying, I have never neither labored nor given birth, I have neither reared young men nor brought up young women. When the report comes to Egypt, there will be an anguish over the report about Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish, wail, O inhabitants of the coast. In this, is this your exultant city, whose origin is from days of old, whose feet carried her away to settle far away? Who has purposed this against Tyre? The bestower of crowns, who merchants were princes, a very wealthy place because of their of they were they were a merchant town on the sea. 
Who has purposed this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were honored on the earth? The Lord of hosts has purposed it to defile the pompous bride of all glory, to dishonor all the honored of the earth. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. I think it's in Ezekiel 28, isn't it? Ezekiel 28, 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre. And say to him, thus says the Lord God. So the king of Tyre, this is what you're to say to him, lament him. You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardis, topaz, etc. He is, he is likening the king of Tyre to Satan himself. This is what God thought of Tyre and Sidon. They were under judgment. And he says it'll be worse for Chorazin and Bethsaida, four miles away from where Jesus had his center hub of his ministry, it'll be way worse for them than it will be for Tyre and Sidon. See, if, if what had been done in Tyre and Sidon, and what had been done in, in Chorazin and Bethsaida had been done in Tyre and Sidon, Jesus said they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. We won't look at all those verses, but sackcloth and ashes was, was, was a humble way of repentance. Interesting. Jesus says, if what had happened in Chorazin and Bethsaida had happened in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. And yet, the message didn't go there. The message did go here. And it's going to be a lot worse for them than for them. So, so far, Jesus is talking about cities and how to interact with these towns and these places. These, these, the judgment on those cities who reject the gospel of Christ. We see one more message, uh, one more city mentioned. What about, what about Capernaum? And you, Capernaum, will be exalt, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. Where was Capernaum? Capernaum was where Jesus had his ministry in Galilee for the last 18 months or so. That's where he was centered. In Peter's house. That's where he went out of. Remember, in Capernaum, what they have? They had a bunch of people following Jesus. Remember, they crowded around him by the, by the sea and almost pressed him in. They had lots of people wanting to come. And remember, he was healing all the people. He was doing all these miracles. And they were happy to have him. They didn't try to push him over a cliff like they did in Nazareth. They, they tolerated him. They didn't, they didn't repent and believe, and, but they, they did not reject him in the sense of get out of here or we're going to kill you. They, he stayed there. So they're thinking, hey, look, we're going to go to heaven because Jesus lived amongst us. But why did they want Jesus? What did they chase him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee for? The bread. They, they were after Jesus for what he could do for them. They weren't following Jesus because of repentance of sin and entering the kingdom of God. They, they rejected his message while they accepted him. So Capernaum, yep, 
You had him housed there for 18 months. Yes, you weren't hostile to him, but you're going to hell. Hey, I sit around and I listen to this all the time. I have adult children that will tell me that. Hey, I listened. I listened a lot. Nah, you know, Jesus, Son of God. Sure, I'll let that in. Unless you put your faith and trust in Christ for the gifts of your sin, you're going to hell. Just because you tolerated the message, just because you weren't violent against it, doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because you sit here every week and listen, doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because you tolerate Jesus in your homes or in this church, doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You're actually going to be brought down to Hades. Now we see this corporate conversation because you can't save a city, can you? Now, you can condemn a city. If there's not a believer in there, tell them all. Wipe the dust off. But then he says this, the one who hears you hears me. Seventy messengers, the one who hears you hears me. Me, Jesus. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Listen, hearing rejecting you, hearing rejecting Jesus equals hearing rejecting God. You'll either hear me and accept my message, which is from Christ, representing God, or you'll reject it. And if you reject my message, you're rejecting God. You're rejecting Jesus and you're rejecting God. It is not me that you are rejecting. You might reject me. You might hate me. You might get rid of me. You might run me out of town. You might try to push me in the streets at at Emma Goldman. But it's not me you're rejecting. You're rejecting God Himself. You're rejecting the message of Jesus Christ. This is the power that we have as God's messengers. As God's representatives as God's ambassadors. Makes me really sad. But I trust the Lord. I think about some of our adult children who have left here. Having rejected the message that Dad or Pastor Mike has brought. They aren't rejecting me. I, I just had a text conversation with my children today that my ways are wrong. Other ways are better. You don't reject me when you do that. You reject Christ. You reject God Himself. This is the Word of God. This is the truth. Anyone in here that can hear my voice, anyone in here that's left, anyone that can that can hear this on, on recording, if you reject this message of salvation, you're rejecting Jesus Christ and you're rejecting God and you're under His wrath and it'll be worse for you than Sodom on Judgment Day. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old have passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was 
It's reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is making a plea this morning, through me, to you that don't yet know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Be reconciled to God through the life and death and resurrection of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Turn from your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the message that God has for you, and I'm begging you, do that. I'm commanding you, do that. Put your trust in Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. Or it's going to be worse for you than Sodom on the day of judgment. And God hated Sodom. Destroyed it. And when those men that hovered around Lot's house. Banging on the door trying to trying to sodomize these men. When they stand in judgment. It's going to be less than anyone in here who doesn't believe on Christ. Even though you've never stood outside of a door trying to violate anyone. Probably. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ knew no sin. And yet he was treated as a sinner to pay for your sins if you'll believe in him. And turn away from your sins. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation for anyone who would believe on Christ. Turn from your sins. Know that you're a sinner. Know you're without hope. Put your faith and trust in Christ. And if you don't, It is going to be worse for you than Sodom on the day of judgment. And I love you enough to keep trying to look at you and tell you that. Closing thought. The judgment of God will be more severe for those who have heard the gospel and rejected it than those who never heard it. Beloved, what a great motivation to be brutally honest with those around us who are rejecting the kingdom of God. This also should be very frightening to all that can hear my voice today and have yet to receive the salvation found in the mercy of God through Jesus Christ and are headed for a more terrible judgment of Sodom, Tyre, and Sidon on that day. Brothers and sisters, what a great motivation to be brutally honest with the people that we give the gospel to. Unbeliever, what a horrible reality. And if that doesn't bring the fear of the fear of God into you, then you're a fool. And you're complacent. And you're silly. Today is a day of salvation. Turn to Christ and live while you still have time. Do not promise tomorrow. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, 
that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. You reject this message, you reject me, you reject God. You reject Jesus Christ. And your judgment will be horrible. Horrible. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the mercy that is available to everyone in here, in and through Christ. Everyone here that would believe. Everyone here who would see their sin. Put their faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of those sins, for their reconciliation to you, Father. Father, and as you harden hearts, you will be glorified. Be glorified on that day as you rightly judge them to eternity in hell. Father, you will be right when you judge us, those of us in Christ, into eternity in heaven for Christ's sake. For all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.